Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am your host, Scott Needham. I have with me a very skilled and smart, experienced person with M&A. I have uh, Talison Hollywood from Hanbeck. And if you've seen their name around, I have. Uh, they've been, uh, you know, probably selling Amazon businesses before it was popular. Um, Talson, did I did I get that right? Were you guys how long have you guys been doing this? Yeah, um, we've been we've been selling businesses since, since well, specifically in this uh, way since 2017. Um, but to be fair, we focused on selling Amazon businesses and e-commerce specifically mm-hmm. in 2020 at the start of 2020. All right, all right. So yeah. Um, well, so th- usually I don't want to like. I actually, I never like to overhit subjects on this podcast, but you know, there's been some changes enough so that it's like worth a conversation revisiting of like, okay, how does the rest of 2022 play out? And what is the new normal? Uh, what's happened, the news is, you know, Thrasio laid off uh, maybe 25% of their employees. Some other big aggregators have paused acquisitions. And uh, so, you know, uh, maybe they weren't always right about everything that they intended to do. You know, it is a little bit harder to grow uh, a brand uh, that's already achieved its growth, you know, to take it to the next level, you know, um, uh, getting a bunch of people, throwing them at it doesn't actually always solve that solution. And I may even like uh, layer in a critique that like, you know, one of the parts of the uh, aggregator model that sounds interesting is the economies of scale, you know, being able to get experts in specific um, uh, verticals, and then they could do it for a lot of different businesses. But I noticed that Thrasio had about six employees for every acquisition. I always thought that was on the high side. And, you know, in terms of overhead, you should be like trying to do the other way. You should be like, I have one employee for every five acquisitions. I mean, if you want low overhead, like that's, that's good. So that's the context of which we're talking right now. Um, how would you characterize uh, the current state and what you're seeing? The, the current state is um, certainly much more stable. Where um, It's changed dramatically since 2021, as you, as you mentioned. And the biggest change occurred in the first half of 2022 when um, you know, the, the investors tried to, started treating this, well, in fact, even in late 2021, the investors into this space started treating it quite differently. And that fed through to the, the aggregators themselves. Um, and quite a lot of deals fell over in that period um, because of the, the change in how the investors saw it. And to be fair to the aggregators, a lot of their growth and that's the crazy things that were happening, like, you know, one company having 400 data scientists, if you can believe, and um, the, the, the amount of hiring that occurred in that space and the hiring of arguably the wrong type of people it was driven by their investors, not necessarily by the actual firms themselves. Like that, that was seen, it was seen as a race to get scale with, yep. and the, the largest would win. I, I, I think if you don't have someone, this is just my opinion. If you don't have someone in your leadership in the founders group that like, that was born in the Amazon ecosystem, um, you're going to make mistakes, you know, yeah. uh, over invest in certain things like, um, I have seen a lot of people try and build tech tools. They just always feel like, oh yeah, we're going to get a tech team and we're going to build this out and we're going to do this. 
I'm like, ah, it's not that easy. Um, it, yeah. I, I've, I've seen, exactly. uh, I've heard a few stories of people that spent tens of millions in the space uh, and they have nothing to show for it. And um, this may be a humble brag, but um, uh, Smart's got the tool that I've built. Mm. Our R&D is less than half a million. Um, and wow. Uh, we've got a lot to show for it, but um, that's amazing. It, it, it's so uh, it's more about uh, the approach to what you're trying to build than like you know just hiring a bunch of data scientists. Okay. I, I I do think that Amazon DNA uh, is super important, and the aggregators that don't have someone in their founder circle that really understands that, I'm just like I I, I just see them making mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think there was total underappreciation of the importance of keeping the founder talent on board in yes. the early part of 2021. That's really changed. I think they all, they'll recognize that. And the, the aggregators, the, the kind of, you could say the newer aggregators, many of them kind of skipped 2021 or skipped the most frenzied part of 2021. They learned a lot from the mistakes of the earlier players, which is natural, I guess, in any sector. But notably, they, they're all quite keen to keep found a talent on and not make that mistake. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no, totally. Like that's, uh, the founders build the business. They know uh, yeah. how things can go wrong. Um, but so and some, also, oh. Sorry, I was just going to, like, you know, being a, being a successful online retailer is a different skill set to just being, a, I don't know, being an M&A guy or being a, like coming from Amazon and being responsible for something in Amazon doesn't make you a good retailer, like a totally different skill sets. So you can't stack your team with IT guys and M&A guys and Amazon, ex-Amazon employees and expect to run the business more effectively than no, totally. Amazon. Um, I mean, in digital marketing, like, you know, online marketing, it's just, it's, um, it's tough. I spend my time talking to professionals and I still, mm. I'm like, like trying to figure out what does it take to do this. Um, so, so a few aggregators have paused acquisitions. So that means like Thrasio and Perch and a few others. Um, I, I've heard a few off the record. They're like, Hey, we're like pausing this part of our business and we're just going to run these brands. And, um, then there's another group of people that are aggregators that are still acquiring cautiously you know, not wanting yeah. to uh, jump in and pay too much, but there still are some that are hungry for acquisitions. Yeah, that's right. There are, well, there's that, that newer group that I mentioned who um, now the balance sheet looks really, really good. They haven't overpaid for anything. Um, excuse me. And they, you know, they have fresh capital to invest and um, they feel like they've learned a lot of lessons and they've got a, clean, a, a really good runway. Um, there's those, and there's also some of the some of the larger sorry larger aggregators who um, were around last year, but either they didn't necessarily acquire for the highest multiples, or more importantly, I think they they just have been able to either through luck or through good management or both, their acquisitions have performed better, and they're, so they're not under quite as much pressure from their investors. But whatever whatever for whatever reason they are still actively acquiring. Like they have targets to hit. They're, they're chasing us all the time for more deals. And it's sometimes hard for the, um, as an Amazon seller to tell if they're in kind of the, um, that group where they genuinely are really acquiring or if they're in the kind of cautious group who 
aren't actively looking for anything. It's just if something that's really in their sweet spot comes along, they don't want to miss out. So they'll bid quite strongly on those businesses. But it's hard for the seller to kind of tell the difference because um, even the cautiously acquiring kind of groups, they still have their deal origination people who are kind of relatively junior reaching out to sellers all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's only often quite late in the process where you get to speak to the kind of senior M&A people where you realize that the valuation expectations are totally different to your own or they're actually not that interested at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, this honestly uh, hits close to home because last November uh, we went under LOI uh, with our private label business. It did about 350K, maybe 400,000 of uh, uh, SDE, seller discretionary earnings. Um, and um, they backed away because it just didn't fit their business type. And I mean, I've got all sorts of criticisms on that. I'm like, Mm. We we were pretty transparent up front, and they cost yeah. themselves a lot of time. They cost me a lot of time. Yeah, that's. Um, that's but I, 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 I got to do diligence, and I'm like, if you just used a little bit of like, even if you used, uh, I mean, like Smart Scout, you would see what the seller, what our account is, and what it isn't. Um, yeah. So um, that was a. Uh, but that's super I, frustrating. I, I felt like at that time uh, when we went to market that the valuations were going down um, specifically for what we were trying to sell. You know, um, we, we, we thought we, it was hot and we're like, oh, let's go for a four X multiple. Yeah. And I think we had a hard time uh, getting any interest above a 3.5 multiple. Um, this is obviously a dangerous, you know, you don't want to say too much about multiples, but like, um, what, I don't mind. But everyone wants to listen to it. You know, what yeah, yeah. is your perspective on multiples as they've uh, for the last year and how you actually see them going forward? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, last year multiples did really peak, particularly in the first half of 2021. Um uh and then over the course of the year that we felt that they were diverging. So the the most attractive businesses were were still multiples were still rising. And you know, and we talk about multiples usually in terms of um uh multiple of guaranteed. You know, either upfront or guaranteed deferred, yeah. rather than yeah. including earnouts or anything like that. Um, so they're really the, the most attractive businesses were continuing to to rise. At the, you know, the highest that we saw was around seven, um, and then, but already by the middle of 2021, um, less competitive deals were actually starting to fall compared to what they had been at the start of 2021. Now, since in late 2021 and into 2022, um, the whole market has has you know reset a little bit. Not just in e-commerce, but in M and A generally across the board. You know, capital markets are down. Uh, that feeds back into investors' expectations, and the uh, in, as inflation rises as well, separate issue. But that that feeds back into the rate of return required by investors on their capital, which ultimately results in lower valuations across across the board as well. But that that kind of change has has basically happened now, and we feel like it's it, it's. It's never going to return, unfortunately, that we, not as far as we can see, to the kind of frenzied peak of like early 2021. Yeah. Um, the market's kind of fairly stable now and should continue as it is from now on. Yeah. So, what is stable? Let's just say, you know, we got a, a brand that does uh, a million uh, profit a year. Um, yeah. And, you know, 15% growth year over year. Not great, but, yeah. um, but like it's still growing, you know. Um, yeah. what, 
Um, and let's put it in a decent category, like uh, uh, pets. Um, yeah. Uh, what are we talking like in the twos? Are we talking in the threes? Or you know? No. I, I, honestly, I still think valuations haven't come down as much as people think. Um, they, they have definitely softened, but you know, you you don't actually you don't need every you don't need a hundred buyers to be bidding for your business to get a strong multiple. You only really need two or three that really really want the business. And pets, as you said, is still a category that a lot of people are interested in. Assuming all the other factors in the business are, are, are strong, like di- well-differentiated products um, that are not easily, that you, there's a moat around the business, both on and potentially off Amazon, good branding and so on. Um, we would we'd be expecting above a four for a business like that, you know, in terms of upfront consideration. Um, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of details that go into each one. Um, so th- there's a lot of variance, but, and I don't want to kind of overpromise. I don't want to be the kind of real estate yeah. agent that promises you a huge valuation for your, your house. But yeah, realistically, I mean, we, we had a deal going to LOI that's slightly smaller than that in terms of profit last week. And that's at a, uh, uh, a five, including guaranteed kind of consideration and uh, so, not uh, including it. Now, I'm sure you've seen a few LOIs that have uh, not actually reached the deal. Um, what are some deal killers uh, that you see specifically in the Amazon arena where people like jump in and then they back out? There's two types. There's, there was always situations where it's legitimate for the buyer to pull out. And there's other situations where the buyers just change their mind, which it sounds like potentially happened in your case. And that's just totally inappropriate. Buyer should tell. And that actually happened a fair bit in the start of 2021. Um, it's easy to find, kind of find an excuse if you want one, but we felt that there was, thankfully, it didn't actually happen much to us. Uh, we had one deal fall over at the start of 2021, but so 2022, sorry. But just hearing across the market, particularly from MA lawyers who get exposure to a lot of deals, so many deals fell over at the start of 2022, largely from the buyers actually, to be honest, just changing their mind, feeling like they're overpaying and pulling out using the excuse to pull out, completely frankly. Um, However, there are legitimate reasons for buyers to, to pull out, which are, there can be anything from um, concerns about the product, compliance, um, you know, UPC barcodes are quite a hot issue at the moment. People purchasing UPC barcodes from GS, buying them from GS1 versus buying them on eBay. Um, I've heard of quite a few deals falling over recently because of that issue. Uh, I mean, price does play, in, play into it, but there's always, if, if price is ultimately you know, the factor usually there's discussion to be. I would argue that the UPC issue, you know, that's a that's a bargaining chip. You'd be like, hey, you guys bought this off of eBay, like, you know, yeah, because you could solve that issue. It's solvable. There's going to be a cost, but it's solvable. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and put that cost in the deal. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, but um, the the bigger problem that we're seeing, <clears throat> excuse me, and the bigger change in the market. Is not so much evaluations, but the the fact that there's a larger number of businesses that are actually not saleable now compared to last year. The buyers, and I think for some of the larger aggregators, this is part of what played into them, you know, not performing up to their expectations, is that they acquired some businesses that they would not, they wouldn't make the same choice again to acquire. And a lot of those, it's a lot of those same businesses and businesses like them won't won't be able to find a buyer at the moment. Um, and so the things that, that are much more important now than they were are that differentiation, the ability to, so simply having a leading on the number of ratings and reviews and, and rankings on, on Amazon 
is no longer as valuable as it used to be. Um, and buyers are much more concerned about uh, true differentiation in, in the product than they used to be. So uh, whether it doesn't necessarily have to be patents, although that's, that's something, but maybe uniqueness in the supply chain or something that makes gives a moat around the product is much more valuable now than it used to be. Um, branding is, is more important now as well. Um, and so what I'm saying is that businesses now that do not have that um, should start to think about ways to address that before going to market because there'll be far fewer buyers without that. I love what you're saying. And I'm, I'm seeing as I pay attention to, you know, like my psychology of like how to build a good business uh, changes year over year. But there's a few things that like have uh, struck out to me. Um, uh, one is I, I did some, I'm, I'm actually doing a lot of research and diving in on repeat purchase rate yeah. across our products. And I'm seeing a few things that surprise me. Um, some products that like, you know, don't look like they would actually do have a repeat purchase rate uh, and then, and then vice versa. Um, and uh, for example, we actually have a line of stuffed animals and it's so often uh, that people uh, buy the entire set. Cool. Yeah. You know? um, or they buy one and they come back and buy others. Uh, yeah. And um I don't that's know, super valuable. Yeah, yeah that's no, and definitely. I, I don't know. Do you see aggregators actually combing through the data and understanding how to get repeat purchase rate out? Um, I, th I think it is valuable data, and I think they're definitely interested in it. Sometimes they ask us for the for the repeat for the repeat purchase rate, but it's difficult to um, to kind of to know, to be honest. Um, um, well, uh, I may have a solution in just a few weeks. Uh, it's something I'm working. Wow. On. Um, and awesome. I've got a lot you guys, of, you guys generate new, new, it's <laughs> incredible the speed that you well, create new features. It's amazing. Um, we've got a, we've got a good, uh, we have, you know, good dev team and I've been in the Amazon API for almost 10 years. Okay, so, well, okay. uh, cool. it's not very hard for us to reverse engineer something to, to get an idea yeah. like, Oh, okay. I see what they're doing here. And then yeah. I put our own spin on it and uh, yeah. jump in. I mean, I, but that's actually, I mean, this is like a, a sidebar, but that's actually almost a, a problem to continue to just to build new features when you really should be perfecting and like, you know, making sure people understand mm. uh, the, uh, the original uh, ideas. Sure. I mean, um, I mean, Still, it's it. Pretty cool. Um, and it's a fun, it's a fun space. And hopefully uh, we end up creating something valuable. But um, I spoke know, to Michael at uh, the Prosper Show. He, he was saying that we were, uh, he, he reached out to us for some early feedback on one of your, the features that was, you had this map for, of, yeah, of yeah. Amazon sellers. Such a cool map. <laughs> it's such a cool. Feature. Yeah, we, like, we, we kind of nailed that the first time. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. be honest. You know, we got the data right. Like I, I did that part, but like it was my front end engineer that like you know knows how to do JavaScript really well and make it kind of clean and, and yeah unique. Um, here, do, uh, everything you do is very graphical, which I like. It's, yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, you know, I uh, I, I, mean, I, I push my team. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, well. Now, okay, now I'm going to ask you one question that 
I actually need to know an answer to at some point. Like, so we were going to sell our business at the end of last year um, just to repurpose the capital. That was mainly the number one reason was like the business is fine. Uh, it's got some strengths to it. It's got some weaknesses. It's spread out over a, about a hundred SKUs. Uh, so 3 million in revenue across a hundred SKUs. Uh, you know, people would probably like, you know, uh, a smaller line of products. Is that a sellable business? I mean, is there, is there some things, are there some red flags that like, uh, with, with, yeah. Or because, you know, honestly, in the next two years, I'll probably want to do something. I'll probably want to jump yeah. back in and sell it. Yeah. So in two years is a good time frame as well. You have time to, to really, yeah, to just tweak anything. So I agree. hundred SKUs for 3 million is too many. Um, and it would be good to reduce the SKU concentration if you, if you can. I know it's not the easiest thing, but like, I, I know that for, for, I can't say who, but for one of the aggregators that's on pause at the moment, it's it's like a primary aim of what they're doing with their existing acquisitions that they've acquired is drastically, I'm talking like almost 90%, cutting the, the SKUs that they have down um, because they see that as an absolute priority to have a low number of high-performing SKUs. And so, you, you know, if they're doing that with their own brands, it's going to fit into what they're looking for in their acquisitions. Yeah. Um, so uh, here's, I think, why, this is my opinion, Yes, like the long tail, you can make money off of it, but the incremental value of your effort does exactly. less. Reduces. Does less. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if you have a product that sells like 20 a month, you're yeah. like, well, you could work on it and maybe sell 30 a month, but that's not that big of a deal. When you have something that yeah. sells like 2,000 a month, and you do the same amount of effort. And it goes to 3000 There's just a, a, a... And you have to imagine what it's like for someone who, after they've bought your business, they're going to be... It's it's not in the return on investment that you... on The return on your time. It's going to be the return on the time of someone who's not as good as you, frankly. No criticism of the aggregators, but they have to employ people to take over these brands. Founders don't stay along forever. You've got other priorities and you want to start other brands and run other businesses. They're keeping founder talent on for a certain amount of time, but ultimately it's going to be someone else who they employ to take over these, these businesses. They're not going to be as good as you. And so they have to be confident that they're going to get a good return on the time of each of those employees um, in managing the managing the brand. So you have to make it. It kind of also relates to another point. And you know, early on, the aggregators, it's part of their pitch was that we know how to run your business better than you do. Basically, to be frank, is how they were describing it. Um, you know, we're Harvard MBAs and so on, and we can we can do this better than you can. Um, and that just you know, everyone knows ultimately that wasn't didn't turn out to be true. Um, again, it sounds like I'm being super critical of them. It just, no one knew really. It was very early and they thought potentially that would work, but it, it kind of doesn't. So you have, what they're interested in now is businesses that, that are going to grow and perform very well, or at least stay stable very well with, without much effort. Like, um, with, you know what I mean? Basically they're, they're concerned about downside just as much as, they, as they're interested in upside. Because they're, what they're worried about is after buying an acquisition, that you know, buying a, a company, that it's going to um, to go downhill afterwards. <laughs> so the the most attractive businesses to them are on this kind of inexorable growth curve that just like nothing can stop it. That no. because it's basically even if even if they happen to have a brand manager on there that maybe isn't performing quite so well, the business is just gonna, it's just going to keep yep. growing anyway. Yeah, I like yeah. that. 
But not everyone can do that. You can't necessarily make your business grow to like, you know, 100% year over year. No, no, that's not necessarily, you don't have to necessarily get to that. But you've got to make everything else attractive for them. So, you know, have, have good branding, make it believable that this product is going to be able to eventually sell to, you know, direct to consumer channels or even eventually in target good uh, differentiation against your competitors, make it harder for people to just simply copy you and, and, and compete with you and have them believe in that. Solid growth is good. It doesn't have to be explosive, but solid growth um, and margins. I think we're uh, close to wrapping up, but one of the reasons that uh, I brought you on the podcast was uh, you guys, and if, if anyone wants to learn more about, you know, uh, this year, you guys created a diverging valuations uh, report uh, for 2022. And, um, you know, you hit a lot of these subjects that we covered, but like a little bit more detail. There was one uh, thing that I saw that caught my attention. I don't even know what this is. Uh, it says, you know, in 2022 to like better negotiations to protect against retrading as much sure. as possible. What's retrading? So retrading is is something is an M and A term. It means when the buyer uh, changes the, the price or terms of the deal during due diligence, um, and it's typically meant to meant to uh, be, the the term is meant to be used when the buyer does that for not a reasonable reason, like the buyer is just manipulating the seller because they can. During due diligence, power switches to the buyer. The seller has fewer options, and sometimes buyers will use that to retrade on the deal and, and get a more attractive deal. And, and actually, in the Amazon space, you know, most of the, the buyers, um, I mean, strategically vary from company to company, but I'm talking about the aggregators here. They're generally staffed with good people. They're not necessarily like predators, but given the opportunity to lower the acquisition cost, they will. Yeah. So you have to put everything in place that protects you before, A, choosing which buyer you're going to go with, and then B, signing the letter of intent with them. So uh, there's things that you could do to avoid retrading. Yeah, clarity is a big one. So first of all, one of the things that we help our clients with is just for, it's in the buyer's interest to get you signed LOI as soon as possible, and particularly when everything's kind of vague, because they can make a really attractive looking offer based on fairly vague details, knowing that later they'll find out a lot more detail and they can use that detail against you to change the price. They can say, oh, look, your COGS, we didn't realize you had this handling fee. That and it's not built into your cogs, so we're going to have to, you know, this this will reduce the profit by this much, um, and lots of other examples like that. So, the more clarity and the 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 more you can get them, the buyer to commit in, like in writing, even if it's just email, to say we understand everything in the the accounts here. Um, there isn't any further data we need. We're confident in the multiple that we're paying. We're confident in you know we have to check some things. If your in, invoices are literally different to what you. Yeah. It, obviously yeah but there's not going to be any surprises that really helps to protect you because we've seen uh, them we've seen them commit to that then try and retrade and then we've brought them back to this email and said no it, and they've, they've agreed interesting well um i hope most of the audience at some point uh you get to act on what we talked about that you have a chance to sell a business or uh, maybe even to buy a business um, but then again, I also hope you don't have to do it because it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing to do. So I'm like scared to like, you know, uh, give myself weeks of work, uh, to, to fall on my face again. Um, but, uh, thank you so much, uh, for coming in to talk. Um, can you leave our audience with a smart hack that, you know, you have used in either life or your business, uh, to do well? Uh, yeah. Um, 
I thought of one thing. Valuation is important in this uh, sector. You, um, you meant, and we didn't, uh, I think, but it might sound like I avoided the question. I didn't give you any hard numbers. But we built an automatic valuation calculator that will like just you punch in the details, including some subjective things about branding and differentiation. And it'll give you like a number straight away. It'll give you like a valuation. Where, where's this? It's on our website at uh, valuation.hanbeck.com. Um, or even if you just go to harmbeck.com, you can find the valuation section. Oh, I see it. Nice. Um, and so you can just play with that. It's obviously completely free and it's automatic. You can, and if you sit, you can play around with it to see how increasing the profit margins or decreasing the your branding or you know uh, your IP or whether or not you have brand registry and stuff. And you can even sensitivity test it and see how it affects your. Uh, I love your it. I, I'm going to do it as soon as. Uh um i go through but um cool you know i'm probably not ready to sell the business today <laughs> yeah no, no no worries maybe tomorrow though so so keep in touch yeah, cool. um okay well thank you so much uh for coming in uh i do think there's been a That's shift right. uh and that people need to pay attention to some of the biggest guys uh they're struggling i uh, they made a few you know maybe they they tried to chew too much um, and it's just an interesting area because I do think um, by observing M&A, you actually observe the entire marketplace. You understand like actually what it takes to succeed because you see like, you know, how failure happens. And so, um, yeah, that's generally what we try to talk about in the podcast. If, uh, if you like what you've uh, listened to, you know, uh, hit some other episodes and, and, uh, and improve your business. Well, uh, Talisa, thanks for jumping on. Pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me, Scott. Okay. Well, that wraps up this uh, week's episode. Uh, if you uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button, or if you're so generous, uh, review uh, the podcast. Um, I actually found out that Spotify now has reviews. So if you're using Spotify, um, you know, uh, throw on a five stars and make my day. I'll uh, send you a thumbs up or uh, what else. Um, actually, if you thumbs up and you want to deal on Smart Scout, um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll send you a, a, a nice uh, coupon code. Um, well, that's too much for today. Get back to your business and start making your business uh, sellable. All right, take care, everyone. One, two, three. Yeah.